0: Bhadram karnebhi śrinu yāma deva Bhadram paśye mākṣabhīrya jatrāha Sthīrai rangai stuṣṭu vāgum sastanu bhi Vyase Swastina indro vridha Swastina pusha viṣva Swasti Nastarkshio Arishtanemi Swasti no Om Shanti, Shanti. This is the peace chant, and the translation is Om, O gods, may we hear auspicious words with the ears. Uh, may we see auspicious things with the eyes while engaged in sacrifices, while praising the gods with steady limbs. May we enjoy a life that is beneficial to the gods. May Indra of ancient fame be auspicious to us. May the supremely rich, our all-knowing Pusha, God of the earth, be propitious to us. May Garuda, the destroyer of evil, be well disposed towards us. May Brihaspati ensure our welfare. Om peace. Peace, peace. This is from the Vedas. This is the chant associated with the Atharva Veda. Uh, Why this particular chant? Because this Upanishad which we are studying, the Mandukya Upanishad, is from the Atharva Vedas. So um, the Upanishads are all located in different Vedas and each of the Vedas has its own peculiar chant. In fact, by hearing the chant, you know which Veda it's coming from. So this is from the Atharva Veda. And since now we have got all the Vedic gods on our side, I think we, we can proceed along merrily. The Mandukya Upanishad, remember the context of this text, the structure of this text. The Manduki Upanishad is an Upanishad. And uh, the smallest of the Upanishads, only 12 mantras. The original Vedic text has only 12 mantras. And based on these 12 mantras, uh, we have gaurapada acharya who wrote the karikas which are philosophical verses so they are called the mandukya karika when you say mandukya karika you all automatically include the mandukya upanishad and on these uh, and, and these karikas are divided into four chapters if you remember what we discussed last time the first chapter called the agama prakarana or the section on the Upanishad. agama means the Vedic text. So the Upanishad is embedded in the first chapter of the Mandukya karika. The second chapter is the uh, Vaitatya Praka- prakarana. The third chapter is the Advaita prakarana and the fourth chapter is the Alata Shanti prakarana. Don't worry about the names we'll discuss them later on. So are, the Mandukya karika as a text has four chapters. In the first chapter which we have just started is included the original Upanishad. So Upanishad, Karika. And on the Upanishad and the Karika, we have the commentary of Shankaracharya. In Sanskrit it's called Bhashyam. Bhashyam literally means a commentary. So the whole text has this kind of a structure. The Upanishad embedded in the first chapter of the Karika. The Karika on, on the Upanishads Four chapters divided into four chapters and the commentary of Shankaracharya on the Upanishad as well as the Karika of Gaurapada. Gaurapada was Shankaracharya's Guru's Guru. That's the text and what we will study directly is the Upanishad with the Karika. The commentary will remain in the background. We are not going to do a line by line study of the commentary though I will use the commentary all the time. to When I am giving explanations, these are explanations based on the commentary and it doesn't end there. There are sub-commentaries uh, and sub-sub-commentaries. And it's uh, even till today, people are writing explanations now in English also, but um, in uh, Sanskrit and in Hindi and other languages. So that's the Mandukya Upanishad Last time we, uh, and Mandukya Karika. Last time we saw that the, the text Mandukya Upanishad itself with only 12 mantras, the smallest one, what does it comprise of? it has a structure where there are two inquiries two investigations one is an investigation into the self what am i into yourself an investigation into yourself and the second one is an investigation into the famous vedic mantra om perhaps the most famous mantra now all over the world everybody knows what om is so om is a mantra now an investigation into this 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 word om uh, um, so there's an om inquiry and a self-inquiry, and the two are related. The text is divided in this way: 12 mantras, as I said. The first mantra introduces the om inquiry. And the details of the om inquiry, the inquiry itself, the investigation itself, is done in mantras 8, 9, 10, and 12 towards the end. Though the om inquiry is introduced first, the, actually it is developed. It is discussed, elaborated at the end of the Upanishad, 8, 9, 10 and 12. In the second mantra, which we will do today, the self-enquiry, in Sanskrit, atma vichara, inquiry, vichara. The self-enquiry, and investigation of the self in order to understand oneself, that is introduced and that is developed in the mantras 3, 4, 5, 6 and 7. In fact, it is introduced in mantra 2. And it starts in mantra to itself, and then developed in 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Last time, we just read the the first mantra. So we will repeat it, the first mantra, and then go into the second mantra today. The first mantra was like this. Please repeat after me. I'll say it first, and then you repeat. Om ityeta daksharam Om ityeta daksharam those who have got the um, the uh, uh, roman text you can use that oh. to chant along yes you can you, did you did you find it Yeah. yeah. Om ityeta daksharam Om ityeta daksharam Idagam sarvam Idagam sarvam tasya upavyakhyanam Tasyopavyakyanam, Bhutam, Bhavad, Bhavishaditi, Sarvam on Karayva, Sarvam on Karayva, Yachanyat, Trikalatitam, Trikalatitam, Tadapyong Karayva. That's what we chanted last time. We we studied this last time. What does it mean? As I said, it introduces the inquiry into Om. It says, Om iti eta daksharam idagam sarvam. What does it mean? Om, this syllable, is indeed all this. Om is all this. What do you mean by all this? Idagam sarvam. All this. What do you mean by all this? Bhutam bhavat bhavishya deti. The past, present and future. Yachanyat and whatever else is. Trikalatitam. Beyond the the three periods of time. Tadapya omkareva. That is also omkara. So it says om is om. This letter is indeed all this when you ask what do you mean by all this what uh, it means that whatever is within time and whatever is beyond time whatever is within time and whatever transcends time all of that is om this is a claim remember it is not an explanation it's just the opening statement this is what they're going to inquire into so the claim is somehow this this letter or this mantra om is everything by everything we mean everything within time what do you mean within time by within time we mean whatever existed in the past whatever existed in the past whatever living creatures lived in the past whatever entities existed in the past stretching back to beginningless time all of that whatever exists now right now in this universe and Indeed, whatever will exist in the future. So all the entities which have existed in the past, all the entities that exist now, and everything that will exist in the future, all of that is Om. All of that is within time. And that's Om. Not only that, whatever is beyond time, and in Vedanta we claim the absolute is beyond time. Even Maya, the power of God, that is beyond time. Whatever is beyond time, that's also Om. So that has been said in the first mantra. That's, what is, uh, that's the opening statement in the first mantra. And that will be developed. We'll abandon it now. That will be developed later. When we have completed the self-enquiry, that will be developed later in the mantras 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. All right. Basically, the idea is, if Om is all of this, whatever is within time and whatever transcends time, then an inquiry into OM is an inquiry into everything. Right? If somehow you can show that OM is indeed all of this, then instead of inquiring into the reality of everything in the universe, if you just inquire into what OM is, you will get the reality of everything in the universe. OM inquiry is equal to inquiry of everything. OM inquiry is equal to enquiry of everything. And therefore, OM inquiry is to be done. So that's the remarkable statement. What does it mean? Shankaracharya, in his in his commentary, he has given a very good insights into it, but we will not go into it now. We'll leave it for a future date. Now, what we are going to do is go into the second enquiry. We'll start with that. These are the two inquiries which have been given, and they are not separate. In fact, om enquiry and self-enquiry will be shown to be the same thing. An inquiry into oneself, um, support for that is om inquiry. Ohm will be shown, the symbol om or the, the mantra om will be shown as a support for self-enquiry. Why this om inquiry is there? It will help us in self-enquiry, that's why. In fact, we did a little bit of that meditation last time also. We'll do it again today. Alright. Now we go into mantra two. And here is where it starts getting heavy. <laughs> mantra 2. What does Mantra 2 say? Sarvam yetad, sarvam yetad, Brahma, Brahma, am Atma Brahma, am Atma Brahma, Soya Matma Soyamatma chatushpat Sarvam brahma Ayamatma brahma Soyamatma chatushpat What does it mean? All this, look at the same phrase, same phrase again. Everything indeed here is Brahman. Brahman. Brahman, the word is, stands for, in, in Sanskrit, it stands for the absolute, for the ultimate reality. So Brahman is indeed all this. This very self is Brahman. So, I am Atma Brahma. This very self is Brahman. And this self has four aspects. So, I am Atma Chatushpat. So, what does, it, what does it say? Sarvam Etat Brahma. All this is indeed Brahman. I am Atma Brahma. This very self is Brahman. So, I am Atma Chatushpat. This self has four aspects. Okay. Notice what was said here. Sarva metad, all this indeed. Now bring it from the first mantra. All this means, everything within time, everything beyond time. Everything within time means, everything in the past, everything in the present, everything in the future. Whatever existed in the past, whatever there is now, and whatever there will be in the future, all of that, that's within time. And whatever is beyond time, the absolute reality and all of that, all of that is Brahman. The word Brahman means the absolute. It means literally the Sanskrit means the vast. Uh, if you derive the, the root meaning is the vast, that which expands, which swells, the vast. So, Brahman is indeed all of this. And therefore, an inquiry into Brahman is equal to an inquiry into everything. Look how it goes. There's a very interesting structure to it. If Brahman is everything within time and beyond time, then an inquiry into Brahman will reveal to us the reality of everything. Very good. So the Brahma vichara, an inquiry into Brahman. Now what is this Brahman? What is this Brahman? It says next, Soyam Atma Brahman. This Brahman is the very self. You yourself are Brahman. What is this universe? It's Brahman. What is Brahman? It's just a word for us. What is Brahman? It's you. Soyama Atma Brahma. This very self is Brahman. You yourself, the real you, is Brahman. Now look at the investigation, now look at the structure we have. If you want to know the truth of everything, you need to know the truth of Brahman, Right? Let me put it down here. It will become clear. Everything. The reality of everything. This universe. Everything in this universe. And whatever may be beyond the universe. Beyond space, time and causation. If there is such a thing as an absolute. As God, as Maya, whatever. All of that, they say, is equal to Brahman. And what is Brahman? Atman. Atman means the self, you. Therefore, if you want to know the reality, you want to know what this, all this is in reality, then you, you can know, you can investigate into Brahman. And where will you investigate Brahman? Where do you find Brahman? In yourself, You are that Brahman. So an inquiry, Atma vichara is equal to Brahma vichara. Is equal to everything which are, which are means investigation. So everything investigation is equal to Brahman investigation is equal to self investigation. Self investigation will reveal to you what you really are and that itself is Brahman and that itself is the reality of everything. Not only that, if you were to connect it with what we saw in the first mantra, what did we see there? Om is everything. Did you see in the first mantra? om is indeed everything the second mantra said everything is indeed brahman and brahman is indeed you so an inquiry into om um, inquiry into everything is equal to an inquiry into om is equal to an inquiry into brahman is equal to inquiry into yourself so this inquiry into yourself that word which we found in the first mantra upavyakhyanam literally means an explanation but here it means an inquiry investigation so, now we are going to start an investigation of the self. Just an investi- The claim of this Upanishad is, just an investigation into yourself will reveal to you the secrets of not only yourself, but also the entire universe, all of reality. So that's the claim. It's a huge claim. Now, investigation into yourself. Just by the way, before we get into the investigation of the self, Today, we're going to start this. Before we get into that, um, Soyam Atma Brahma. That's the text which we read just now. (coughs) So, I am Atma Brahma. So, this is a Mahavakya. Mahavakya literally means profound sentence or great sentence. The entire teaching of Advaita Vedanta is condensed in one sentence. Can you tell me what Vedanta is all about? Advaita Vedanta. Can you tell me what it's all about? Yes, we can. In one sentence. What is that? That thou art. Tattvamasi. Very famous, very well known. Tattvamasi. That thou art. In fact... Four sentences from the Vedas are taken as Mahavakyas in our tradition, in the Advaita Vedanta tradition. What are those four sentences? They all mean the same thing. They all mean the same thing. The first one is Prajnanam Brahma. Prajnanam Brahma. This is from the Aitareya Upanishad, which is from the Rig Veda. You know there are four Vedas? So Prajnanam Brahma, the first one. What does it mean? This very awareness, which awareness? The one which we are all feeling now, understood correctly, understood, investigated. This very awareness is Brahman, the Absolute. And this is from Aitariya Upanishad, which is from the Rig Veda. Second one is Tat Tvam Asi, that thou art, that thou art. This is from the Chandogya Upanishad, which is from the Sama Vedas, the, the second one of the Vedas. So that thou art, again meaning the same thing, you are that ultimate reality. The third one is from uh, is Aham Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. Aham Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. This is from the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, which is from the Yajur Veda, the third of the Vedas. You know, four Vedas: Rig Veda, Samaveda, Yajur Veda, Atharva Veda. So the third Mahavakya is. Aham Brahmasmi. And the fourth one, and in this no particular order, but this is the way generally we speak about it. And the fourth one is this one. The fourth Mahavakya is Soyam Atma or am Atma Brahma. Actually, not Soyam Atma. Only this much is taken as the Mahavakya. am Atma Brahma. This very self is Brahman. What does it mean? This very self is Brahman. This very self is the Absolute. This is from which Upanishad? Yes, Mandukya Upanishad, the one which you're holding right now. Don't look so confused. This is we just read it. This very self is Brahman. So I am Atma Brahman. This very self is Brahman, and this Upanishad is from the Atharva Veda. So a, any Vedic sentence which expresses the identity of the individual and the supreme, the identity of the individual with the absolute. Deserves to be called a Mahavakya. So there are many such sentences, but four are taken by convention and tradition as four Mahavakyas, one, each one representing each of the Vedas. Pragyanam Brahma representing the Rig Veda, Tattvamasi representing Samaveda, uh, Aham Brahmaasmi representing Yajur Veda, and Ayam Atma Brahma representing the uh, atharvanaveda. And the meaning is all the same. The first one means this very awareness is the absolute. The second one means that thou art. The third one means I am Brahman. And this one means this very self. This very self means I am means look, uh, looking inwards. Yes. I am Atma. I am means this way. Pointing towards yourself. This very self, I am, the, the Sanskrit uh, I am means, which is constantly available as, I. I, this one. Which is always directly available. In fact, the word is Aparoksha, which we are reading a text, Aparoksha anubhuti on, on Fridays. Directly available. Always as I myself. This I myself. This, this one. This is the ultimate reality. Now, so all of these sentences mean the same thing. And they all encapsulate the entire teaching of the Vedanta. All right. Now, we are going to go to the next part of it. <coughs> the text says, Soyam atma Chatushpat. This atman. So we are going to do an investigation of the atman. By the way, this uh, there's a very cute story about this approach. Um, you know the story of Ganesha and Kartika. I maybe told you some time, but I'll I'll repeat it here. Um, Ganesha and Kartika are the sons of Shiva and Parvati and they have two sons and two daughters. The daughters uh, are uh, Lakshmi and Saraswati. Lakshmi the goddess of wealth and Saraswati the goddess of learning and Ganesha and Kartika are the two boys. Now the story goes like this. Um, The Divine Mother Parvati or Mahadevi or Uma She once um, offered a mango. In some stories, it's a valuable necklace. But the mango is nicer. So um, a mango. uh, And told her sons, the one who uh, circles this universe, the one who circles this universe, was it three times? Yeah, three times. One who circles the universe three times. This is a story that's very well known in India. The one who, who circles this universe three times first. It's a race. It's a race. One who circles this universe three times first and comes back to me uh, will get the mango. So let's see you boys race for the mango. Um, Kartika is, of course, he's the god of war. He's the god of war. So he is, he is a lean, mean fighting machine. And so uh, he, is, uh, he is up for it. He says, OK, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And Ganesha is a little overweight. He's this, he's this fat kid, you know. He has a big belly and he has an elephant head. Uh, I think he's both top heavy and middle heavy. <laughs> Not only that, Kartika has, uh, all of the gods have their mounts, their, their vehicles, which are different birds and animals. So um, Parvati has the best one, is the lion, the Durga, the Divine Mother rides on the lion. Shiva ha- has the bull um, and uh, um, Kartika has the peacock. It's, it's you know, glorious and gorgeous and all. A peacock. Ganesha gets the mouse. So Ganesha has, has the ma- mouse. Um, yes, Ganesha has the mouse. Kartika is very confident. I have the peacock. I can fly around the universe. Uh, and my brother just has the mouse. And he's overweight. The poor mouse. <laughs> so he is no match for me. I don't think peacocks fly all that well, but anyway, just for the story, we'll, we'll. It's Kartika's peacock, yes. I read on the news today that this lady who was not allowed to board the. because she had a, she had a, a service peacock. Like you have a service dog, a comfort dog, you have a comfort peacock. A comfort peacock? <laughs> And no matter, the, I mean, no wonder the airline did not allow her to board. Imagine a peacock sitting in the plane. <laughs> so off goes Kartika. He hops on the peacock and off he goes to fly around the universe. Ganesha is still relaxing and Parvati says, my dear, won't you even try? Ganesha says, okay, if you insist. And he gets up and you can imagine the mouse trembling. Here he comes. Why can't the kid lose a few a few pounds? <laughs> But he doesn't go to the mouse. He folds his hands and then he goes around uh, Parvati and Shiva. They are the parents of the universe. Jagata, Pitaro, Vande, Parvati, Parameshwaru. Parvati and Parameshwara, Parvati and Shiva are the, lords, uh, are the parents of the universe. I mean, So the whole universe is produced by them. So he goes around them. He says, I consider you the reality of the universe. Circling you is equal to circling the universe and she is very pleased and she gives him the mango Uh, His mother gives him the mango Quite some time later Kartika comes back you know flapping away on his peacock and he comes back Quite triumphant and to his horror he sees Ganesha just finishing up the mango and wiping his mouth you know He says it's unfair I bet he didn't even go anywhere from this place And he says, that's right, but he's got the essence of the truth. The truth of the universe is Parvati and Shiva. Exactly like that, instead of going around the universe, examining everything in detail, all we need to do according to the Upanishad is find out the truth about yourself. If you know the truth about yourself, you know the truth about this universe. So that's the meaning of the story, actually. It's a very profound meaning of the story. All right why i am delaying the inevitable is because now the the enquiry into the self starts the self has four aspects so atma chatushpad this word chatushpad chatush means four pada means quarters it may even mean legs uh, facets aspects dimensions so the self you Remember, when we are going to go into this all throughout Mandukya Upanishad, there is nothing theoretical here. It's it's profound, it's a little difficult, but nothing theoretical. It's constantly talking about you and which you, a you that's constantly available to you. It's not talking about a you that you're going to, oh, I'm going to become the Atman or Brahman after a lot of spiritual practice. So I'm just being informed about it now, what I will become later on. Ultimately, when I become a Buddha in my you know the life I'm enlightened in, no, 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 no. What they're talking about is available to you right now. Just like saying that you have two hands and two legs, exactly like that. They're going to point out something that you have that is there right now. So always connect it to experience. That way, it will become easier to understand and and also very startling and and amazing. So it says. This Atman, the self, has four aspects. Don't think of it as four legs, because then you'll think of it like it's like a cow or something with four legs. And Shankaracharya, in fact, in his commentary, he says, not like a cow with four legs. <laughs> uh, it has four, four aspects. You, if you say pure consciousness has four legs, then this will be a theory which has no, no leg to stand on. So, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that. <laughs> the self... You have four aspects. Which you? You who are the secret of this entire universe. You have four aspects. If you know those four aspects, you know the truth about yourself. You know the truth about Brahman. You know the truth about all, And basically you know the truth about everything. That's the huge claim. So it just said this. Now I said the inquiry into the self. It's already started. It's going to start from third, third mantra, but it's already started. This is, this is the beginning of the enquiry into the self. From soyam Atma that self, which self? Which self is Brahman? Which Brahman? Which Brahman is everything. So that self has four aspects. Here starts the enquiry into the self, which will continue until the seventh mantra. It goes to its triumphant climax in the seventh mantra, which is probably the most important mantra in the entire Vedanta texts, and all all Upanishadic literature. So, it is starting now. It starts right here. Yes. Okay. Now, it can't be delayed any further. Let me... Before we start, we are not going to go into the inquiry, the third mantra today. Let me outline what they are going to say. So, attend to this. I am going to outline the entire plot here today. It's a difficult task. If you attempt it you know how difficult it is. all right I will outline what are we inquiring this self you have four aspects that's what we are going I am going to talk about you have four aspects that's all. This thing I will explain in five steps. step one each of the steps is very deep. And a little difficult, each one. But then this is Mandukya Upanishad, the climax. So, the first one is this. The existence of anything depends upon its knowability. To exist, a thing must be knowable. But you may say that, no, no, that's not true. That's not the way we look, look at the world. We look at the world as, it's out there and we come and know it. So this, this um, um, hall was here and then you came and you saw it. So it was here. It's not that its existence depends upon you knowing it. But here is the thing. Unless a thing is knowable in some way, which we should be able to see it or hear it or smell it or touch it or think about it or infer something about it or read about it, somehow it must come into your awareness. Otherwise, it's meaningless to talk about the existence of such a thing. Think about it. If a thing cannot be known at all, and by by knowability, I I don't mean knowability just by you or me. It should be knowable at some time, in the past, in the present, or in the future. It should be knowable by somebody, somewhere, something. It may even be a mosquito knowing something it must be able to, it must be it must reveal itself to awareness somewhere in some way even if it does not the possibility must be there that it can be known if it is something if you say that something exists but nobody knows it nobody has ever known it nobody knows it now nobody will ever know it in the future it cannot be known then there is no point in speaking about such a thing are you with me
1: yes
0: even something like say Harry Potter I know you exist because I see you and I know Harry Potter exists in a fictional world of Harry Potter because I have read about it so it has a kind of fictional existence but some XYZ which nobody knows I cannot tell you anything about it nobody has ever seen it nobody knows about it nobody can know about it but I still assert that such a thing exists it's a meaningless statement then you can assert anything exists so, if it is not knowable, then it is um, to talk about an existence of such a thing is meaningless and purposeless. So, what we are we're coming to is, the first thing that I want to say is, in step one, that um, existence depends on Knowability. to be in any sense meaningful existence of any entity depends on knowability you might question this you might say look I understand existence and knowability are intertwined um, because without that we cannot speak you know, uh, purposefully or meaningfully about anything but still Why would you say existence depends on knowability? You might say that a thing exists and it should also be knowable for us, for it to be meaningful in any way to us. But you know, if two things go together all the time, if two things go together all the time in every case, then they must be related in some way. If existence always goes with knowability, then existence and knowability are not two different things. There must be some relationship between them. See, the cap of the pen and the pen are two different things because I can show you the cap separately and the pen separately. But if I cannot show you two things separately, say the saffron, the, the, the orange color and, and the scarf, I can't show you the orange color separately from the scarf. In fact, the scarf is an orange scarf. So the orange color is related to the scarf. In the same way, knowability and existence are related knowability and existence are related so existence of anything depends on knowability and by knowability I include not just gross knowability that you can see it or hear it or smell it or touch it it could be scientific knowability it should you could know it through scientific instruments it need not be known through any instruments also. You could predict it with scientific equations. By our scientific theory predicts such and such a thing. That's also knowing. It could be religious knowability. That I know it through my scriptures. Or at least I believe it through my scriptures. That is also admitted. So in some kind of knowability is necessary. So you'll say okay, okay, go on um, We get it. Knowability. I'll give you the Sanskrit words also. Just by the way. Um, Something that is knowable is prameyam. Just know these words. Um, prameyam, pramana, and pramata. Pramata means knower. Pramana means instrument of knowledge. We are into epistemology here instrument of knowledge and prameya means a knowable a knowable object object of knowledge knowable knowable pramata Pramana prameyam Let me repeat that the Sanskrit word Pramata means knower so I am a Pramata. I am a knower and Pramaya means knowable so this pen for example is a knowable and Pramana means instrument of knowledge So my eyes are the instrument of knowledge with my eyes or with my skin. I can touch it or with my ears I can hear it Yes, so Eyes are the instrument of knowledge. Direct perception. I can see it directly. So eyes are the instrument of knowledge. This is a knowable. And I, Sarva Priyananda, am the knower. I use my eyes to see this. And the knowledge that I gain of this. The knowledge that I gain of the pen. I can see a pen. This knowledge. The Sanskrit word for that is Prama. Knowledge itself is me. The Sanskrit word is Prama. You can see it. all of them come from the same root. Pramata, the one who has knowledge, knower. That's you or me. Pramana, the source of knowledge. It could be direct perception. Direct perception means seeing, hearing, smelling, touching, tasting. It could be inference. It could be inference. You get some data and from that you know something. A scientific inference for example. You have observable data and from that you have a hypothesis or something. So it could be inference. It could be scriptural knowledge. It could be something, some source of knowledge. We, I will not go into it. Vedanta has a full, very complex epistemology. Six sources of knowledge, pramanams. I will not go into that. Pramayam. What are the things that we know by our, our so instruments of knowledge? So this universe, we know all of this with our instruments of knowledge and the knowledge that we get itself is called Prama so remember these terms Pramata, Pramana, Prameyam and Prama stage one existence depends on knowability so to exist in any meaningful sense the thing must be now you can use the Sanskrit word Thing must be a prameyam. Prameyam, knowable. It must be knowable. Right. To exist, a thing must be knowable. All existent things must be in some sense knowable. Alright, step one. Now let's go into step two. Remember, f- five steps to discuss what? The self has four aspects step two knowability depends on a knower okay now it begins to get interesting existence depends on knowability and knowability depends on knower by this what do I mean there can be no knowledge, no knowability, no knowledge without a knower. Every, all knowledge presupposes a knower. It must belong to some knower, some knowing entity knows. So, knowability. Prameyam in Sanskrit. Prameyam, literally Prameyatvam if you want to be a stickler, but I am saying Prameyam. Depends on, can you tell me the Sanskrit word? Pramata, knower. That I have, I come to you, I have a knowledge of this thing, it depends on me, the knower. Unless I am there, there is no question of knowing this thing. This is a knowable, no doubt, but this is not a knowable unless I am there as a knower. So, its status as a know, know, knowable depends on me, the knower. Exist, its existence as a knowable depends on me, the knower. Now, very interesting then. To exist, a thing must be knowable. To be knowable, there must be a knower. In that case, join it. A is equal to B is equal to C. Then A is equal to C. C. So to exist, a thing depends on the knower. Yes. yes what did I say it should be knowable to somebody somewhere in some way you might say well gravity existed long before there was any living being or living entity even a bacteria to know gravity, gravity to feel the effect of gravity right but I also said it should be in <coughs> principle knowable it should be in principle even when it existed was it knowable If there was a knower at that time to know it, would it have been knowable? Yes. If there was something to actually feel the existence of gravity. So gravity exists, yes. And gravity is knowable. Your question is, long before there were any living beings, when the universe got started, the fundamental force of gravity and other fundamental forces, they existed. Who knew them at that time? If you ask a question like that, the answer here would be, there doesn't have to be anybody who knew them at that particular time, but uh, in principle, they are knowable. Yeah. If there would have been a knower at that time, they would have known it. Just as we know know gravity right now, we feel the effect of gravity. We feel that we are sitting right here now. We are being pulled down by gravity. It's like saying it's universal truth. Mm-hmm. It, it was always there. What? No, not necessarily. Before the universe was created, was the gravity there? Yes. Not necessarily. It's a particle. Before the creation of uh, before the creation of gravity, no. So gravity was not universal. There was a time when the gravity was not there. So yes. So until there is a lower, I mean, taking gravity into consideration, hmm. until it was discovered, it did not exist, right? That's what we are just discussing no you are not say, did you, are you saying that there was no gravity before Newton no was. No one knew but once we
1: know
0: it's know- knowable it's a knowable it was a knowable all time yeah. even there, when there was even before Newton's birth even before there were any human beings see this is why it's difficult but it's good that you're thinking um, even before there were any human beings all the living beings which existed on earth did they feel the pull of gravity Yes, the experience. Wasn't gravity experienced? That's all that we, we are saying here. If something exists, it must be a part of our experience. It may not be your experience, it might not be my experience, it might not be the experience of anybody or any living creature today, but it must have been experienced by some living creature then. You see that before, for example, if you ask, before the evolution of life, before the evolution of life, before there was any kind of awareness to experience gravity, would it, w- are you saying that there was no gravity? Of course there was gravity. Because in principle it should be knowable. Yes.
1: When you say uh, knowability, yeah. it's actually intrinsic to gravity. Yes, right? absolutely. So it does not depend on the knower. <coughs> if, if I want to use your sentence and what was we'll discussed.
0: Right, right. It
1: has an intrinsic existence regardless of the knower.
0: Correct. Uh, right now but at that see when you say knowability it means experienceability. it must be uh, revealed to experience right now revealed to experience means there must be an experiencer now what you are saying is a, is a particular case at that time if there was no experiencer can we project the existence of gravity yes we can you will say then how can you because there was no knower And gravity itself has a knowability. But then it all depends on today that there are knowers and we can speak about it. Suppose there were no knowers ever. Then would it make sense to say gravity had no ability? No, it wouldn't. Suppose all throughout the history of, suppose there's an universe. And all throughout the history of the universe there never were any knowers. There never were any beings who experienced anything. And there was in the past, present, and future no question of anybody experiencing anything. Then, would it make sense to speak about the existence of such a universe? No. No. If you, if, you, if you say that, you no, know, you can, can, such a universe can still exist, then I can say anything can still exist then. So, no, no, no let, let me just stay with this. Let let's, We have to proceed very carefully here. Uh, when you are saying, Gravity existed at one time. It could be gravity. It could be anything. Gravity or the moon or the, or the the sun existed when there was no living creature. But his question is, the sun still has no ability. Because if there is a creature to know it, it would be able to see the sun shining. That's your question? <coughs> right?
1: No, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is regardless of whether there is a no or not, the sun has intrinsic no ability. existence
0: ah uh, that's what we are we are challenging here okay. does the sun have intrinsic existence regardless of any kind of knowability suppose the sun is not are, are you saying it has intrinsic existence intrinsic means without knowability
1: we, yeah it it does exist then as i am a
0: nor ah this edge. is the this is the see that's why we are i'm saying it's it's uh, difficult you, we are running up against these objections and it's good What I first said, when I first said all of this, in fact, the first point itself. Does this room exist before you know it? Some say yes, some say no. Yes, Certainly. See, this is not a debate, philosophically speaking, this is not a debate between idealism and realism. Mm -hmm. We are not talking about that here. We are going somewhere much deeper. What we are saying here is, to be real means that it must be in some sense knowable. You want to come in to, to about this? Yes. So, my question is: What are the
2: attributes of a knower? How do you define a
0: knower? What is what are the attributes of a knower? You're jumping ahead. That's that's a third point. We're coming to that.
2: Just not to follow up on the argument that was being made. Yeah. Gravity existed before there was life. There were planets. They experienced gravity. How do we define a knower? It was known by the. Yes,
0: I'm coming to I'm coming to point number three. That that's later. We'll we'll bracket that up. But I want to stay with. See, we must move very slowly here. Uh, what he's saying here is, then, then you have said all two different things. You are saying, uh, the first thing you said was, even if without a knower, the sun has knowability. That's one thing you said. And the second thing you said now was, whether it's knowable or not, the sun has intrinsic existence. That should have been the first objection at the very beginning, when they first said, existence depends on knowability. Let's consider that question. We are going back to the first statement now. We are going back to the first statement. Does existence depend upon knowability or does knowability depend on existence? Does a thing have to exist for you to know it or does, um, you know, it it depends on your knowing that a thing uh, exists. And remember, what did I say? I am not saying anything new. I'm saying it for the third or fourth or fifth time, same thing. It can be anybody, it doesn't have to be you here today. Some living creature, some consciousness, somewhere should be able to experience it. It should be uh, within the experience of something, somewhere. Even if not something, somewhere, it should at least be a possibility. Somebody should be able to experience it. Otherwise, this, um, to answer your question directly, the question of intrinsic existence... The sun has intrinsic existence. How do you know? Look at the question I'm asking. How do you know?
1: Well, I don't need to know if it has intrinsic existence.
0: But how do you claim that? It's a philosophical statement. Yeah, but it has to be justified. Any statement has to be grounded. What is your justification for making a statement? So, for example, you used the word sun. Yes. It is a meaningful word. It's a common word. It's a meaningful word. Why is it common? Why is it meaningful? Meaningful to whom? Common to whom?
1: Because it relates to something, which is the sun.
0: Yes. Which is?
1: Which is both knowable, but also has intrinsic existence.
0: But it's knowable, right? Yes. Only reason you are able to speak about it is because it's knowable. Suppose I say, X um, X exists. What do you say to that?
1: You mean the, the,
0: the X. sign X? Yeah. X. Something. Something. Yeah. something. Not the sine X. Yeah. The sine X obviously exists. I can see it. Okay. But something exists. Um, what would you say to that? Possibly. Define it. You said define it. I said no, it can't be defined because I don't know it. I don't know it. But somebody else knows it, what you're talking about. No, nobody knows it. But it can be investigated and known. No, it cannot be investigated, it cannot be known. But it exists. What would you say? Makes sense. No. No. That makes sense. Because it has intrinsic existence. That is exactly the argument this gentleman is making. You see, what you are forgetting is... The sun is a matter of experience for us. It's a matter of experience for the tiniest life forms in the, in the, uh, in, uh, on the planet. It's a matter of experience. It is predicted by science. It is revealed by our sense organs. It's revealed by scientific instruments. Mm-hmm. Hence, we speak of the sun. When you say it has intrinsic ex- uh, ex- existence, you are making uh, um, argument from a realistic point of view that existence precedes knowledge of that a thing must exist and then you have knowledge of that that's a, that's a realism but we are not talking about that here also what we are talking about is a much much more fundamental principle to speak of the existence of anything meaningfully it must be in some sense available for experience do you agree with this yes, yes. maybe not my experience Maybe the experience of some other living creature. Maybe the experience of a scientist. Experience means maybe just a prediction in a scientific uh, um, uh, um, a scientific uh, theory. Some strings, superstrings exist. Superstrings exist. If I say superstrings exist, you will say, "How do you know?" I say, "Because there are these scientific theories and equations which predict the existence of a superstring." You so, say, "Okay, possibly, if that theory is correct, then it does exist." But if I say X exists about which I cannot say anything except that it has intrinsic existence, it's a meaningless statement. Mm -hmm. So it must be available to for experience, for knowability in some way. You uh, some of the other questions, but I'll come to you. Okay. Yeah. So um, just to make sure I understand, if there was a big band, universe came into existence by for whatever reason, there was absolutely no life on any planets, including Earth. Hmm. and big crunch happens and that's it. There is yeah. no more uh, recycle. Yeah. In that, that particular hypothetical universe, did Sun exist? No, not to say, did, did such a universe exist? No. Oh. How do you know such a universe existed? Even today you can even speak about such things because you are a knower and you have experience of many things and therefore you can design such a hypothetical case. But imagine if the universe were the only universe which you're speaking about. Nothing, no knower ever existed. Then who will speak of what? Yeah. There is some a deep connection between knowability and existence. This is why Manduk is a little difficult. It makes a, it's a, makes, a, makes a very simple statement. But it's something a little disturbing for us. Okay, let me give you a little different example. Which will um, uh, I'll come to your question. Hold, hold on to your question. Don't forget. Things that you see in a dream. Things that you see in a dream. All the people and the things that you see in a dream. Would you agree they all depend upon your knowing the dream, that you dreaming the dream? And they exist only in your dream, in your experience. Dream is an experience, right? Dream depends entirely on the dreamer. It has no, it has no intrinsic existence apart from the dreamer. That's a good example. But it's an example. It doesn't prove anything. So this is what they're driving towards in, in, in this, that it's only in experience that you can talk about anything, in, in some kind of experience. It could be theoretical. It could be sensory. It could be scientific. All right. Yes. What's your question? Ultimately, we, we will uh, talk about such things. But yes, but right now we can't speak about it because we don't know. It's it's a hypothetical case. Yes? Yeah, I, I don't know how to frame this question, but uh, let's talk about God and consciousness then, mm. right? I mean, does God exist only when like, we experience Him or? You can, you just answer it from this, what we just read. We just studied this. So the only reason we can talk about God is because. We read about God, some mystic somewhere experienced God, right? Ramakrishna saw God, Moses had an experience of God. So different uh, mystics at different times in, the, uh, in our history have experienced God. And there are books which talk about God. And therefore today you're raising the question. But so that means it's, it's part of our, our common knowledge, right? But we also hear that God is beyond existence, right? God is beyond existence? No, no, no. If it is beyond existence, it's non-existent. Whoever said such a thing?
1: on the duality of
0: existence, non-existence. Yeah, that's an entirely different statement. Their uh, duality of existence, non-existence means manifest and unmanifest. Why at all are you able to speak about God? Because you have read about God. Right? And there are people, if you believe that, who have seen God. Ramakrishna claimed to have seen God. Which means, basically, Mandukya is not interested in the detail. Mandukya says therefore God is within experience. May not be your experience, but somebody's experience. Therefore, you can speak meaningfully about God. Am I not making sense? (laughs) You know, Manduk is not complex. It's not saying something very complex. Manduk is difficult because it's saying something very simple. Uh It's talking about the fundamentals of our very existence knowability, existence, Wittgenstein the great philosopher once said, see complex things are explained by fundamental concepts, now fundamental concepts if you ask for an explanation, a definition, if you define something complex you can define it, Um, building, yes building is made of matter, but if you ask what is matter, not so easy to answer. Why? Because matter is a fundamental concept which goes to explain a higher level concept. But when you ask questions about a fundamental concept, what is matter? What is space? What is time? What is energy? What is consciousness? Fundamental concepts. Then we find it difficult to explain. Why do we find it difficult to explain? Because there are no more fundamental concepts by which we can give an explanation. Right? You get the strange feeling, I know what matter is. I know what consciousness is, but I can't speak it. St. Augustine said, if you do not ask me about time, if you do not ask me what it is, I know. If you ask me, I know not. (laughs) Somebody else? Yeah, I'll come to you. Yeah, I'll come. Okay. Uh, if, If Brahman is knowable, what is the instrument by which it is knowable? Wait. (laughs) <laughs> they have all the time in the world yes no if it's uh, if the perceiver is one particular mind yeah it's, it's like a case for idealism but you'll just wait for the next step and a step beyond that where it goes if idealism is wild this goes beyond wild you'll see, you'll see very soon it's a good case for idealism though It's a good case for idealism, a kind of uh, Berkeleyan idealism. Yes. All right, the last one before I go ahead. I just wonder how do you treat error if
2: you include uh, things which are knowable by theories, like let's say the superstring, Yeah. And uh, now uh, this theory doesn't quite hold water ten years down the line. Yeah.
0: right uh you know that's that's easily solved it's like you're asking a question like what's the what about the existence of harry potter what about the existence of an, of the number 1 or the number pi in what sense do they exist so they have a kind of existence so if if uh, now i if you say what is the status of superstrings what kind of thing is it it's a theoretical construct yet to be proved a hypothesis 10 years line if, down the line if you say that uh, quantum loop gravity or something uh, exp- uh, explains the universe better than superstrings and then uh, superstrings is the theory i think it's almost discarded now but um, it's discarded totally and you know it's wrong uh, to the dismay of many mathematicians uh, but if you say that it's wrong then we will just say it exists as a disproved hypothesis yeah yeah it is it was part of our experience it's part of the common experience of humanity right all right we'll stop here Let me finish the five steps. This is the second one only and we are already embroiled in this. Third one is even worse or better depending on your point of view. Fourth one goes beyond this and the fifth one is simply terrifying. (laughs) The second one is, so existence depends on knowability, number one. Number two, knowability depends on a knower. You can't have knowledge without a knower. Okay, since Sanskrit, pramayam depends on pramata. Pramayam depends on pramata. Third one is point number three. Okay, let me put it here. Pramata, knower, depends on consciousness. Any kind of knowledge depends on consciousness, sentience, awareness. Unless you have awareness, you don't know anything. Think about seeing, smelling, touching, tasting, thinking, understanding, remembering, forgetting, imagining, inventing, lying. All of that background, the common thing is you must be a conscious entity to do those things. Knowership, knowledge, depends on um, consciousness. In Sanskrit, Pramata depends on consciousness, or in this case, you, the Atman. On Chit, uh, Atman. And that's how Atman is understood in Vedanta. Consciousness. Knower depends on consciousness. What does that mean? What is now coming to your question? You asked a question. What is a knower? Who or what is a knower? What constitutes a knower? You know what is a knower? Vedanta. They have a very, very clear idea about what constitutes a knower. It is consciousness which deploys some instruments of knowledge and becomes a knower. Consciousness by itself is not a knower. It's consciousness. What? To know itself. No, no, no. We're talking about to know something else. In a knower, a knower knows something else, right? So a knower knows a knowable. (coughs) Pramata knows a prameyam. It is consciousness, atma, the real you, which in conjunction with the mind and the sense organs becomes a pramata. I'll repeat that. Chaitanyam, consciousness, atma, the real you, plus mind and sense organs, is called a knower. Mind includes intellect, memory, all of that, thinking. Basically, consciousness plus the instruments of knowledge makes consciousness into pramata. So, I am pure consciousness, but there is no mind, so I cannot think. I have no eyes, I cannot see. Now, I, consciousness, with the mind, with the eyes, I see this object and I get a knowledge of this object. So I, the consciousness, become a knower when? Now. Mm -hmm. It's only when the mind and sense organs are working that we can deploy the instruments of knowledge. I'm using words very carefully. Then we become knowers. If you're not knowers, what are you? You're just consciousness. But the consciousness which does not know anything, it's not a knower. So what's a knower, what's a pramata, to put it in Sanskrit, uh, in the technical terms, what's a knower? A knower is consciousness plus mind, it need not even be sense organs, just the mind. You can think using the instruments of knowledge. It could be the mind and intellect and memory and uh, then it could be the sense organs. (coughs) Then it could be your scientific instruments, then it could be your books, anything. So consciousness plus these instruments of knowledge, pramata. Without these instruments of knowledge, just consciousness. But the point here is, the knower depends for its existence on consciousness. If you remove consciousness, just imagine, right now you are looking at me. You are hearing my voice. You feel your own existence. You are also thinking in the background of your of your mind, you're remembering things and trying to understand this. Other thoughts are intruding. All of this is happening. Imagine in all of them, if you say switch off one thing, like you close your eyes, then you can't see me. You can't see me or the blackboard, or the other board here. But you you are still aware. You can hear me. You can st- thinking is continuing. If you plug your ears. Then you can't see me, you can't hear me. But internally thinking is continuing. You are still aware. You are thinking, you are remembering. But if, you, if your eyes are there, ears are there, everything is there. If you switch off consciousness, suppose it were possible. Then what will happen? Will you see anything? Will you hear anything? Will you be aware of your own existence? Nothing. So the no you, follow this carefully. The no are you, pramata depends on consciousness. Yes. Sorry, then just following that
2: logic, there is no existence without life. Because you need life to know. You ah. Need to be able to have the mind to have the consciousness reflected ah. in the mind. So without life, there is no existence, but that's not true.
0: Uh-huh. Repeat the logic. Without life, there is no existence?
2: To to For there to be existence, you must know existence. To
0: know existence,
2: there has to be a knower. Yes. No has to have consciousness reflected through the mind
0: yes you know. yes so that means you need life may, may not be even life is an object of no, knowledge but
2: if we need a knower yes and the knower has to have the ability to have consciousness reflected through it yes have to have life.
0: in that sense if you if you are to make a pramata, it has a sentient being yes it needs uh, an instrument of uh, knowledge so an instrument knowledge of uh, obviously has to be at least as far as we know a living body and mind yes
2: when there is life, we know about things that existed in the past, yes. but when there was no life, yes. they still existed, we the, just didn't know that. We, we
0: are saying that, I'm not even going, see here is the difference between idealism and what we are suggesting. I will, I will maintain that yes, I agree with you, that they existed, though Mandukya will not agree, but anyway, mm. uh, I maintain that they existed, fine. But supposing there was life at that time, would it be able to experience that thing? If, if it existed, would I have been able to experience? So it had that knowability, right? All I'm saying is to exist there must it must have knowability and Knowability depends on the knower. In between you are adding one thing that to be a knower then one must have life. Oh, true, okay, fine. What? What? Okay, I, I understand what you're trying. What? what you're, where, it, where? It's getting uh, sticky. I am not saying things came into existence because you and I saw them. And I'm saying that in
2: existence right now.
0: There's, a whole there. there's a whole universe which we do not know. But uh, are they in in some sense knowable? Yes. Presumably. Yes. Presumably. Yeah. Only because of that you're able to say this. Why do you think that there is a whole universe in existence?
2: point in the future we might know them. Right.
0: So just- I, I I yeah I, I've already said that yeah. it should be available to knowable and to to knowledge in the future, in the past, to human beings, to aliens, to <laughs> algae or bacteria, to something it must be available. Because if it's not at all available for knowledge, if you say there is X, just as I said, if you say there is X in the we are back to point number one. If there is X in the universe but we don't know it. I'll say, can we know it? No, you cannot know it. Can anybody know it? No, nobody can know it. No scientific theory can talk about it. No religion can talk about it. No alien or nothing can know it. Yet I maintain that it exists. You cannot maintain such a thing exists.
2: You may not maintain, but it may exist.
0: You may not maintain it. If it no, that's the no, even if it does exist, it's meaningless. Because you cannot meaningfully talk about it in any, any context at all. You cannot meaningfully talk about it in any context at all. You see, even when we did not know about gravity, would gravity have been meaningful? Yes, because one day we did discover it and we find that it it affects everybody. Even people who did not know about it were affected by gravity. So it did exist for them. But if you say it it cannot be known by anybody, nobody can feel its existence, it has no impact on anything, then in, in that case you cannot say it exists. Okay, let me just go ahead and let me finish this. Uh, otherwise, yeah. Number th- no, it's good. It's good to struggle with these. Number three, knower depends on consciousness. Pramata depends on consciousness. What consciousness? This awareness which you have. This consciousness is you. The knower depends on you, the consciousness. In your case, just look at it in your case. In your case, you are a conscious entity. After which you are a knower. And using your instruments of knowledge, you are aware of many things. So all those things for you, let's take you just now. All those things, they depend in some way coming into your awareness. They depend, their existence for you depends on their coming into your awareness. In some way, you read about it, you feel it, you know it somehow. And that coming into awareness depends on you being a knower. And you being a knower depends on you being consciousness. Okay, three points here. Now, here's where it actually begins to get difficult. Number four, we are in fourth of five steps. It was easy till now, yes. Now I'm going to make it difficult. That which depends on something else has a dependent existence. Hmm. dependent existence in Sanskrit in in Vedanta is called mithya the false you see where we are uh, leading to dependent existence is equal to falsity what do I mean by this technical term falsity does not mean non-existence it means it does not exist by itself look at this that lectern Depends on the wood out of which it is made So according to uh, Vedanta the lectern is false With respect to the wood the wood is true. Why because the lectern has no independent existence take away the wood no lectern But the wood itself without the lectern. Yes, it was a log of wood before it was made into a lectern Hmm. a gold necklace the necklace is false because it has a dependent existence on the gold. The gold is relatively true because it does not depend on the necklace. You can still have the gold as a bar of gold, as a gold ring or a gold crown without being a necklace. But the necklace cannot exist without the gold. So the necklace existence depends on the gold's existence and therefore the necklace is false, it's an appearance. Necklace mithya, gold satyam. Lectern mithya, wood satyam now what does it mean for us it means remember all things their existence depends on knowability prameyam. Prameyam depends on Pramata and Pramata depends on consciousness so prameyam and Pramata Have no independent existence. Just look at it in your... As I said, it's not so difficult. Look at it in your own existence. You as a knower, doesn't your status as a knower depend on you being consciousness? That's all. Can you be a knower without your consciousness? (coughs) Can you be consciousness without knowing something? Possibly, yes. If, If all my instruments of knowledge are removed, I can't see, hear, smell, touch, I can't think, then... I just am, I have no knowledge about myself also or anything else. I just am, and when instruments come, I start, you know, I can see, I can hear, and smell. So, consciousness can exist by itself. Uh, Chaitanyam, the Atma or Chaitanyam or the self, the conscious self, it can exist by itself. Knowerhood, Pramata, is dependent, it's false. Pramata, false. Prameyam, false. Consciousness real. I'll repeat this number four. It's a big st- big step forward. According to Vedanta, Wood Satyam, Wood is true, lectern is an is false. Wood is the reality of which lectern is an appearance. What is this false lectern then? It's a name, lectern. It's a form. Look at this, it's a form. And it's a use, Nama Rupa, Vyavahara. It's a name and a form and a use. Its name is lectern, its form is like this, and it has a particular use. But existence, when it comes to existence, its entire existence belongs to the wood. So the lectern in itself is a name and a form and a use. I don't deny that it has a name lectern. I don't deny that it has a form. I don't deny it has a particular use. But I deny it has any reality. Show me the thing called a lectern. Show me the thing called a lectern. Come here and touch it. What will you touch? Wood. Don't you say touch wood? (laughs) You will come and touch wood. You cannot touch the lectern. I know it's mind boggling when you say such things.
1: They seem to be the
0: same. They seem to be the same. But yet they are not the same. Why? Because at one time there was no lectern. It was a log of wood. At one time, when it is broken, they, it won't be a lectern; it will be firewood or something like that. The wood exists without the lectern. Yes. It's <laughs> semantics. It's a wooden it's a lectern. It's a wooden lectern.
2: and no wood be
0: involved. Yeah. Just semantics, right? no, 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 no. But, 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 just consider the wooden lectern. What, you know the, In our language we say wooden lectern and Vedanta says wrong. Uh, it, it would rather say it's a lecternly wood. <laughs> <laughs> which is more correct? Vedanta is more correct. It, would, would you say it is a wave made of water or wavy water? Uh, is, it, is it a watery wave? Which is the adjective? Which is the noun? Ah. It is the noun, it is the water which existed before it was a wave, it is the water which exists when it is a wave, it is the water which exists when the wave subsides also. It is the same way, the wood, if it is a metallic lectern, very good, then the metal is the reality, the lectern is the appearance thereof. Right. There is the, see the substance, the material out of which it is made, Anything. The material, the substance which out of which anything is made is the reality. And the rest is a name, a word, and a form, and a use. I still semantics. What is carbon? What is? Wood is made of carbon. It's the fundamental
2: of this argument. You just have to set a floor. We're setting wood. We're not going to add a-
0: yeah, but just stick to the framework of this. We can investigate it. It'll come. Don't worry. I am. I am just introducing you to something that'll go on for the rest of the year. So you'll have plenty of time. Let me just let me just uh, finish this. So here, the fourth step is the big, big uh, step forward. Dependent existence is false. Is not real existence. That which has intrinsic existence is real existence. Now comparatively between the two, just two things, take this particular entity, it's a lectern and it's wood, are they equivalent? No, because the lectern has no intrinsic existence apart from the wood, but the wood has an intrinsic existence apart from the lectern. If I smash it now, I won't, but if I smash it now, then it will still be wood, it won't be a lectern anymore. Before it was made, it was still, it was wood, it was not a lectern. What Vedanta is saying, it's not a lectern right now. There is no thing called a lectern. The thing is the wood. In the same this is an example. I'll come to you. In the same way, what we are saying here is the thing, the reality is consciousness. With a name and a form, mind, senses, these are all names and forms. It appears as a knower. And depending on the knower, it also that very consciousness appears as the knowable. A very, very important thing. Lectern is an appearance, wood is the reality. What is the lectern an appearance of? It's an appearance of the wood. The wood appears as hold on, Hold on to all questions. Moratorium. Time out. Let me finish this. The lectern is an appearance of the wood. Are you following me? You can say, why are you saying it's an appearance of the wood? It's real. No, it's not real. What's real about it is the wood. So, the lectern is an appearance of the wood. The wood appears as a lectern with a name lectern, with the form lectern and the use lectern. Here the claim is, big claim is, it is consciousness which appears as the knower and the knowable. With the form of mind and instruments of knowledge, here is the pramata, knower. With the form of all of this, these are all pramayam, knowables. All of them depend on consciousness. Therefore, they have no independent existence, just like the lectern. There is no thing called a knower, no thing called a knowable also. That might sound amazing, but there is no thing called a knowable also. The knowable and the knower, pramayam and pramata, depend on one thing, which is consciousness. Pramayam, pramata depend on one thing, which is consciousness, it is consciousness which appears as prameyam and pramata. It is wood which appears as the table. It is water which appears as the wave. It is gold which appears as the necklace. It is consciousness which appears as the knower and the knowable. Why? Because they have dependent existence upon consciousness. Hence, consciousness satyam, consciousness is the real. And knower and knowable, both are are false or appearances. This is the fourth point. What are knower and knowable? They are name, form and use. Nama, Rupa, Vyavahara. Another name if you know for that, for is, uh, for that is Maya. Nama, Rupa, Vyavahara. Knower and knowable are appearances of which consciousness is the reality. Let me conclude with the fifth point. Last one. We've gone way beyond time. (laughs) Alright. Last point. By now you might have forgotten. What are we discussing? Four aspects of the self. Atma. Four aspects. We still haven't come to that. Four aspects of the self. We'll come to that in the fifth point. Now we are ready to understand what is meant by four aspects of the self. So knower and knowable. Pramata, Pramayam. They are nothing other than name and form and use. Nama, Rupa, Vyavahara. And this pair, Pramata, Pramayam, knower and knowable, what are they actually? Consciousness. Knower and knowable. It comes in three grades or three flavors. Knowers and knowables come in three flavors or three varieties. What are they? First, the waker and the waking world. Two, the dreamer and the dream world. Number three, deep sleeper, and instead of saying sleep world, I'm just saying the sleep, I can say sleep world, but basically deep sleep world means darkness, nothingness, the blankness. Deep sleep world within brackets, blankness. The know are and knowable they come in three three flavors. So these are three stages or states Jagrat, Swapna, Sushupti. Jagrat means waking. Swapna means dreaming. Sushupti means deep sleep. All the knowers and knowables in this world are here right now. You are a knower and all of this is knowable for you. This is your waking state. This is the first aspect of the Atma. First aspect of the soul. Four aspects of? Of yourself, four aspects of the self. The first aspect is called the gross or physical aspect, gross aspect, Stula in Sanskrit, stula atma, the gross aspect of the self. The second one is called the subtle aspect of the self, sukshma atma which, which you find in dreams. It's you but in a subtle aspect. The external world is forgotten. That your physical body is lying on the bed and sleeping. That's forgotten. Entirely in your mind. You design a dream world. And in which you are a dream individual. So there is a dream knower. pramata, And a dream knowable. And then. The knower and the knowable. Are all resolved into one blank. Mass of blankness. Which we call deep sleep. That's called the causal Causal aspect, not casual. Causal aspect. Karana. Karana Atma. Causal aspect of the self. Why causal? Because that's from from that mass of oneness, blankness, um, undifferentiated mass which you have in deep sleep, dreams and waking come out. You see, Mandukya reverses all our common sense logic. We think the waking state is most important. When Uttarakhand Mansadhu said, This is superficial. Dreams are interesting, he said. And then he said, Really interesting um, state is deep sleep. <laughs> so, it's, we think deep sleep is nothing. But it is actually the source into which everything is merged. Look at it from a very psychological point of view, from your point of view all of this is forgotten in your deep in your dreams and the dreams also are erased waking and dreams are all erased in the blankness of deep sleep it's all there otherwise it wouldn't come out when you wake up when you wake up as an in another individual as a, as a waker you're still the same person so it was all there it's like a computer which was in hibernation all data is there every activity is possible but nothing is happening so deep sleep that's called the causal state Causal aspect. Of what? Of yourself. Dream. Subtle aspect. Of what? Of yourself. Waking. Gross aspect. Of what? Of yourself. These are the three aspects of the self. Again, Mandukya makes the bold claim that none of this is unknown to you. It's what you experience every day. I will now tell you something. The only one and only thing which Mandukya wants to tell us. Which is unknown to you right now. That's what Mandukya wants to communicate to us. There is a fourth aspect. Which is not a state. It's not a waking state. It's not the dream state. It's not the deep sleep state. The fourth aspect is Turiya. It's called Turiya. Literally it means the fourth. Turiya means four. Fourth aspect. What is that? It's consciousness itself. Remember. Waker and waking world are pramata, pramaya. What are they? Name and form. False. Appearances of what? One consciousness. (coughs) Dreamer and dream world. Remember, they are knower and knowable. They are false. What's real? Consciousness. Deep sleep and deep sleep blankness. Deep sleeper and deep sleep blankness. False. What's the reality? Consciousness. It is in consciousness, consciousness itself, Just like the example I'll give and stop here. It is just like gold. You can coin it, you can you can fashion it into a necklace, you can melt it and make it into a ring, you can melt it and make it into a bracelet. But whether it is a necklace, whether it is a necklace or a ring or a bracelet, in all in and through all of that, what continues? Gold. Necklace, ring, bracelet are names their forms, their usages, but the reality, at any time you touch it, you are touching the same gold. In the gold alone is, is projected, appears a necklace, a ring and a bracelet. But all throughout it's gold only. Gold is the fourth and yet gold is the only one. The first three aspects, one, two, three, are false. The fourth aspect alone is real. Consciousness is real in which appear the pairs of knower and knowable, knower and knowable. And the knower and knowable merge together here in deep sleep. So the three states are false. The knowers in the three states are false. The knowables in the three states are false. All of it is one consciousness which you are. One unchangeable consciousness which projects itself in a waker. And waking world projects itself in a dreamer and dream world and retreats into itself as a blankness of deep sleep. All throughout one unchangeable consciousness. That is called Turiya. Mm -hmm. Wait. So I have finished. Now let me quickly summarize what we saw in the five stages, five steps. Let me quickly summarize. Don't worry. You'll get a lot of time. We have got as long as you keep coming, you will you will get time to ask these questions. Think about it, and it takes a lot of thinking. It's it's um, not our common sense way of seeing the world. If you ask what's there, it's a lectern. Who will say it's wood? It's lectern. But yeah, it's lectern appearing as uh, as wood appearing as a lectern with the name and form and use of a lectern. All right. So five five steps to explain what. Four aspects of self. What did we read? Soyam atma chatushpad. The self has four aspects. What are the four aspects? Uh, we will see in five steps. First step existence depends on knowability. To meaningfully talk about the existence of something, it must be knowable in some way. Prameyam. Number one. Number two. Knowability depends on a knower. No knowability without a knower. So, pramayam depends on pramata. Number three, to be a pramata. Pramata depends on consciousness or the self, the real self. So, pramata depends on chaitanyam, chit, atma, consciousness. Number four, what depends on something else is not real in itself. So, Pramata and prameya, knower and known, they are not real in themselves, apart from consciousness. Because knowables depend on knower and knower depends on consciousness. So knowable depends on consciousness. A is equal to B is equal to C. So A is equal to C. Knowability depends on knower. And knower depends on consciousness. So knowability also depends uh, depends on consciousness. Knowables also depend on consciousness. What depends on something else is not real. It's an appearance. It's a name and a form and a use. Now, come to stage number five. This name and form and use, knower and knowable, they come in three varieties. where, Where do they come in three varieties? In our lives, every day. Here is one variety right now if you are awake which is a lot of too lot to ask for after all this uh, if you are still awake then you are in this first variety where you are a waker and you have a waking world to know you are the knower and this is your knowable what's your knowable all of this everything is your knowable i'm not saying you know it now but you can know it so all this is knowable but and then you go to sleep dreamer and dream world knower and knowable pramata prameya deep sleep deep sleeper and deep sleep blankness you cannot distinguish knower and knowable there. they are merged into one blankness all these three they depend on consciousness because we said these are not real in themselves they depend on consciousness they depend on consciousness which is the fourth aspect of the atma we said atma has four aspects aspect one aspect 2, aspect 3. Mandukya says, we all know it. Every day we experience it. We just labeled it. It was just pointed out here. Why was it pointed out? Because by examining these three aspects, we come to the understanding there is an underlying aspect called Turiya. It's not a separate aspect. It's the only reality, in fact. It alone appears as these two, these two, and these two. This Turiya is the, is the reality about yourself. This completes the Atma, which are a self inquiry. This Turiya is the reality about yourself. Remember, reality about yourself is the reality of Brahman. So, this Turiya, you are this. This is Atma. And what is Atma? Brahma. I am Atma Brahma. So, this is Brahman. And what is Brahman? The essence of everything. And so, this is everything. You can see this is everything because here everything is consciousness, waker and waking world dreamer and dream world and deep sleeper and deep sleep blankness you can see why by knowing this consciousness or understanding it, we have actually understood the reality of what everything like Ganesha going around, Shiva and Parvati you have grasped what is at core, what is at the core of the entire universe, not only the waking universe, your dream universe and in your deep sleep blankness also all of that Uh, right okay one or two questions and we we conclude we have run out of time completely Yes. one
2: quick question from the last the first time you spoke about Aum yes and you put the same four stages of understanding yes yes and today you are inquiry of the self
1: yes
0: and it's the same four aspects correct very good question I'm glad you asked this question last time we did we talked about Aum and did an Aum meditation now, can you relate? We said, A is a, U, ma. This is A. This is U. This is ma, And this is the silence. Mm-hmm. So, how, we can, in fact, go into the, do a little bit, few minutes of that Aum meditation here. And we'll do it more seriously later on. Somebody else had a question? You had raised a question, yes. Depends on knowability. No ability. Prove the A equal to B equal to C equal to D are mm. all false. Mm. So existence is unreal. It depends. What no existence is not unreal. How it all depends on consciousness. So ultimately, all existence existence depends on knowability. Knowability depends on the knower. Knower depends on consciousness. So all of them, existence of things is nothing other than consciousness. When I say uh, the. The lectern depends on the on the on the wood. It's another way of saying the wood alone is appearing as the lectern. So when I say the existence of everything depends on consciousness, what I'm saying it is consciousness alone appearing as everything in the universe. Okay. Sorry, um, so I'm so sorry, mm. but I am having some difficulty
2: with reconciling um, how to think about Aum and then the empire of the self.
0: Correct. This is what, what we are going to do and uh, end now. So, this matching will happen later on in the Upanishad, but you can easily match it. A, U, Ma. Om consists of three sounds. Opening your mouth. Uh, I and mean when you close your lips. Um, right? So, Om is the whole range of sounds producible by from opening your lips to closing your lips. Now, they say, match the ah to the waking. So in the waking, you have a wakea- knower and a knowable. U is your dream. Where you also have a knowable, a dream world. Are you with me? And a dreamer. And deep sleep. Mm, where everything is absorbed into one. You can theoretically speak about a knower and knowable. A knower who knows the blankness of deep sleep. All of that... Emerges out of what? Is silence. After Om is finished, what do you have? Om. What? Silence. silence. That silence you match with the underlying consciousness. It goes like this. When you chant the Om in your mind, as the A uh comes, think about your life, this life. As it merges into, as it goes into, think about the various dreams you have. You know, they seem so real. I sometimes practice it when I get up in the morning and I have a still vivid memory of any any dream. Immediately, I compare it with the waking. You will see, there's not much difference. There's not much difference in this way. If I try to compare a dream with this experience, the dream will seem vague. This will seem very very solid, but. Compare your, like I did, I was brushing my teeth. Now, I was comparing the vivid experience of a dream and the experience I had just after waking up, sitting on the bed. Memory of sitting up in the bed, memory of that experience in the dream. Two experiences, they seem very similar. Right? So, now, as it goes into, ooh, think about your dreams, so many dreams you are the dreamer and you have so many dreams experiences in your dream as it merges into mm, think about waking life erased waker gone dreams gone dreamer gone blankness just deep sleep nothing no feeling no idea no thinking no, not even i am sleeping nothing no thought possible no sense experience no thoughts no imagination no dreams just blank Mm. as it fades into silence, here's the thing, drop the blankness also, what remains, don't say consciousness, (laughs) if you think about anything that's already ah, if you imagine anything you're daydreaming, if nothing blankness that's mmm, drop all of them, it's beyond speech, is everything gone? No. Uh, that ex- is the technique to be followed. And there are, there's a lot to be done. It's a guided meditation. I'll, I'll take you through it again and again and again. In the hope that we suddenly get it. Remember, then you'll say all these steps 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 are not necessary. Once you get this, this one, the fourth one. the you know, Shankaracharya will say, fourth who says it's the fourth? Fools say it is the fourth. Ignorant people say it is the fourth. It's the only reality which appears in this way. Will you say there is a bangle, uh, There is a, a necklace and a bracelet and a fourth thing called gold? Are you following? Yes. Are there four things? If I show you the, a bangle, a necklace and a ring and I say that there is also a fourth thing called gold. It's not a fourth ornament. It's the only reality which appears as these three ornaments. It's the only reality which appears as these three knowers and knowables. Drop the knower and drop the knowables. What remains is beyond language. It's you, the pure consciousness. Let's do it for two minutes. Don't worry. I know it's, I can only imagine how much it is to <laughs> digest all of this. It it can be if you think about it, it can be profoundly disturbing. <laughs> or pleasing? Yes. Actually, it's your own glory. What it the whole thing points to you is 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 just telling you that you are God. The entire universe depends on you. You are not a tiny thing in the vastness of time and space. The vastness of time and space is nothing compared to you. All right. Remember is uh, waking dreaming just imagine it within yourself Deep sleep nothing blank blank silence beyond that Drop all three. I'll chant three times you chant with me Oh Slowly open your eyes if you like. <laughs> om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Shri Rama, Krishna Rupanam Astu.